Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Post Loons. I am your host, Jacob Schneider. Tonight, I am joined by my colleague at SodaSoccer.com, Matthew Johnson. Uh, also goes by MJ. I'm going to call him MJ for the show here to make it easier on my end. MJ, how are you doing tonight? I know you were at Allianz Field in the stands. I was, I'm great. And I know people are disappointed they didn't get to sing Wonderwall, but there were a lot of good things we saw from the. And I know people are disappointed they didn't get to sing Wonderwall. But there were a lot of apologies. There were a lot of good things I saw in regards to the attack that were not happening in at Orlando. So, yeah, no, no, I'll jump in here quick and I'll say, you know, I think this was a very positive result for Minnesota United. Uh, and I look at it, you know, it's a three-game losing streak ended, and that's what's important, you know. And I'm, I'm not using the Open Cup in context here. I think the important thing to look at is that, um, you know, they got a point at home. They've been struggling at home. Um, and it's, you know, it's probably the most positive performance from their most important player at the moment in Robin Lode, uh so far this season, I think. Uh, we finally started to um, see a little more consistency from him. And I think him having his own sense of consistency with one position, uh, which I did speak about with him post-game in the locker room, uh, has really benefited him. Uh, we'll touch on that later in the show. Uh, just want to give a quick shout-out to everybody who has tuned in so far. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, I am live from Allianz Field. I'm sitting in the press box in the radio booth at the moment. Uh, my colleague, Matthew Johnson, MJ, uh, was here at Allianz Field tonight, and he took in the action from the stands. Um, I'll be here probably till 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning, but, you know, that's part of the game. We had a late uh, kickoff here on Apple TV um, and FS1. It was a national broadcast. Um, two very competitive sides. Minnesota's pulled the double on uh, Dallas this year with a win on the road and then a draw at home. Uh, very positive from them. Uh, just a quick note, if you are tuning in on YouTube, send us a, a question. If you're tuning in on Facebook, send us a question. If you are on, if you are here on Twitter, unfortunately, you will not be able to send questions in the live stream. Um, there's, it just doesn't have the capability. However, both of our Twitter handles are listed right below our names on screen. Send us a tweet with your question or fire some, uh, fire, fire some questions at us right now. You know, we'll just get talking. You know, we'd rather hear from you then look at, then talk about what we have planned out. So, you know, anything you guys want to talk about, anyone in, in the chat, uh, anyone who's watching has anything to say, fire it away and, and we'll touch on it at some point in the show, if not right now. But MJ, what we're going to uh, jump to now is, you know, this was, you know, this was a positive result for Minnesota, but still um, it was a, it was a zero, zero drop. It's the sixth draw in MLS this weekend. Then the third zero, zero drop, um, very bleak performances across the league. Um, some shockers too here and there. Uh, but, I think the big thing to touch on is that, you know, Minnesota got the result. They got the point and it's a positive simply because Dallas are a very talented team. I think everybody needs to acknowledge that. Uh, Jesus Ferreira is an absolute menace. Paul Areola is a fantastic player. Uh, Martin Pius is a fantastic goalkeeper. You know, I think, uh, I think it's a really positive result. You know, maybe they should have had a goal here and there. Maybe they should have had a call go their way, but they're their own worst enemy at the moment. I think, you know, that's the biggest thing uh, inhibiting this team from growing. If yeah. that makes sense, MJ. Totally agree. They are snake bitten on the attack. They are getting closer, though. And that's what I like to see is you saw chances being created, some quick one-touch passes to get into dangerous areas that we have not seen yet out of this Loons Club. And that gives me hope for the future. Now, when you look at how well we played tonight to not get the three points, it is disappointing. And so if you're a Loons fan that are just like bummed, I get it. 
I get it. We we should have won. We we needed to put one of those eight chances that we were creating on in the net. But on the other hand, like I said, Robin Lude and Sangbin Jong are on the same page. Their give and goes and their little passes and interplay is really fun to watch. That's only going to get better as the season goes on. So I've got some questions. I'm going to jump in here too, uh, MJ, but I've got one on Twitter. I'm going to read first. But before I do that, if you are watching the stream, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you give a thumbs up. Make sure you retweet if you're on Twitter. Share it if you're on Facebook. And if you're on YouTube, copy that link and send it in a group chat with the friends. Copy and paste it on Twitter or any social media platform. You know, we love engaging with those who choose to watch our show post game. You know, we're here to talk about it with you and give you, you know, all the insight we can. Uh, like I said, I am at Allianz Field. I just got out of the press conference with Adrian Heath, Michael Boxel, and Robin Lud. Uh, very insightful conversations with the two players. And, you know, Heath was very candid with his uh, answer to a lot of what happened tonight. And he also spoke on Emmanuel Reynoso. If you want to hear about the update on Emmanuel Reynoso, uh, Ari Taylor Twelman's comments in the 19th minute of the match, uh, stay tuned. We'll jump on that in a little bit. So make sure you keep watching the show uh, to hear firsthand from, uh, you know, relaying the info on what happened. But uh, like I said, you know, like, like, subscribe, share the show, and you know, and we'll we'll get into it. So MJ, I've got a comment here on Twitter from Connor uh, at Northern Sunset Three, and he was talking about body language with the attack tonight and how Robin Lud didn't seem to be on the same page with uh, Bongo Kulik Longwane and Luis Amaria, and he's asking if the attacking woes maybe perhaps come down to chemistry. Uh, and he mentions, you know, he is not a fan of Songbin at the ten, which I will touch on a little bit because. I am in agreement with that tech. However, we're going to talk about body language and chemistry. Um, and I'll jump back to, I think it was week three of the 2023 season here where I spoke with Will Trapp. Uh, and we're talking about identity and the lack of Emmanuel Reynoso with the squad and how for so long they relied on him to solve their issues. For so long, they relied on him to you know be the point of everything in cohesion and unity. They don't have that right now. But he did say this year, it feels like the most... Uh, the most the squad has ever been together as a team because you can't rely on one person. You need right. everybody on the pitch. You need every single person to be at their best, playing their best, and doing their best for those around them because you don't have the option of an Emmanuel Reynoso on the pitch. Um, and, you know, trapping, a, you know, one of the captains on the team, you know, and, and him speaking on that, I think it speaks volumes for his character, but it also speaks volumes for where the team is at at the moment. You know, they went five games unbeaten, and, you know, th- a three-game losing streak isn't ideal, but – Minnesota's they're they're still in good shape. They're, you know, they're not sporting Kansas City right now. They're not yeah. the Montreal Impact. You know, they 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 are a very good team still and I think that needs to be acknowledged despite a few mishaps along the road. Uh MJ, what are your thoughts on the chemistry so far you've seen from the squad? And, you know, did you see anything specific tonight on the pitch? What I noticed is that Bongi does very well on his own. He really reads the pitch well. He can get by one or two guys. But then when he gets surrounded by too many or needs to pass, he sometimes tries to force a pass through too many defenders. A little bit of a panic, you might say. Yeah. And so, and some of that is just he needs to take the easier pass when it's there earlier instead of continuing to take space that he, a more experienced player would see as a dead end. Someone like a Robin Lude would see, yes, I continue to take space here, but I'm going to run out of passing lanes. And so he needs to take that pass earlier. So I would totally agree with the commenter that he's not on the same page as Sangbin and, and Lude. And the sooner that happens, the better, because he's doing good individual things, but it's not men- matching up with the rest of the players. And then uh, 
colleague and a member of the Soda Soccer team, David Naylor, uh, at Prof Cedar on Twitter, uh, is asking what lane, what changes we would make to the starting lineup on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to make absolutely zero changes. Uh, you know, and the only thing I might say is that I would like to see a formation change. Uh, I think the 4-4-2 was very positive. It's something I've been adamant in saying on these post-game shows over the past few weeks is that this team not this team needs to stop playing like they have Emmanuel Reynoso on the pitch yes. and stop forcing, you know, the same ideals they had last year to become the focal points of their attack and the way they play right now. Um, you know, and, and I'll jump to Song Bin on this. Uh, and I will say, if you want him to be a 10, don't make him play like Emmanuel Reynoso. Make him play like Song Bin. Because right now they're trying to force him to play yes. Emmanuel Reynoso. And it's just not feasible. There is no Emmanuel Reynoso in this league. Hani Mukhtar is not Emmanuel Reynoso. So they are not the same players. Hani Mukhtar is your reigning MVP. Uh, Driussi, you know, one of the best attackers in the league at Austin. He's having a down year right now, but, you know, he, he he's not the focal point of Austin's attack this year, and it's, you know, shown an issue for them. You know, Carlos Hill at New England Revolution, one of the best attacking midfielders in yes. the league. He is not Emmanuel Reynoso. They don't play the same game. There is not another player in this league who plays like Emmanuel Reynoso. You can't simply say, you know, we're going to sign a very talented attacking midfielder like Sungbin, bring him in, and say, hey, this is how you're going to play. This is why you're going to play it, and this is who you're replacing. It doesn't work like that. And I think, you know, when they moved to the 4-4-2, when we saw that change of shape, it was a very positive um, very positive way to look at it because I think Robin Lund drove through the middle really well. I liked how Franco Fragapane was you know, driving – up the left, but also moved central to support Will Trapp and Robin Lud. And then, you know, it was late in the game for Bongi. He was tired, but he still made some very, very, very good defensive runs. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to say I don't, I'm not going to say I want to play, uh, cha- uh, excuse me, uh, changes in the lineup. I want a formation change, and I'd like to see them roll out the 4 4 2. MJ, give me your thoughts. I thought it was also great. Once they brought Fragapani in, Dotson was not the problem tonight. He didn't have his best game, but Dotson was not the problem. I agree with Jacob that really it's trying to shoehorn Sang Bin into a role that is not best for him and into a formation that's not best for the entire roster players that we have. Once we move Fragapani on the left and Lude was able to, to drop back into the center midfield and Song Bin could be part of the upper two of a 4-4-2 along, is that how it, how it happened? Uh, well, Sungbin was taken out before they moved to the four four two. But what I would like is to see. If oh, they moved Mender up. Sorry, yes. and they had Mender and Amaria both up top. I'd yeah. like to see Sungbin at the nine, though. It is something I would like to see. I would like to see him not in the midfield. You know, put put Lude and Trap, Lude and and Ariaga. However, you want to set up the two middle of the second four, but mm-hmm. in that four four two, but. Yes, I would like to see Song Bin up top with Amaria or up top with Mender. I think that is a four four two that would bode good results for the future. So we've got a few more questions. I, I want to acknowledge Dave Valensky's comment early on. We kind of already touched on it with a few other things, but he was asking if anybody could step up and finish their goals. Uh, he doesn't trust anybody up to finish on the team right now. Um, you know, I think that'll come with time. But I want to I want to put up Paul Forrester's question here. So that's going to pop up yep. for you. Uh, you folks can read it at home. But he says, two points dropped, in my opinion. Better than a loss, obviously. But that was 100% a winnable game. Uh, this one hurts, especially because a lot of the Western Conference teams either drew or lost yesterday. And I think that's a great way to look at it, Paul. Um, you know, it's 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 taking advantage of situations like this where you can maybe get, you know, make a small jump or a small leap ahead uh, of, of others who are in contention with you. It's very early in the season, but points like this early on in the campaign can be vital 
come September, October, uh, as we near the final day of the regular season. And I think, you know, uh, this is one they might look back at and say, you know, three points could have been earned. But I also think they should be very content with a point because at one point early in the second half, I want to say like the 48th through 56th minute, there was an onslaught of pressure from Dallas that uh, and Mickey Tapia's had a very rough second half. I'm going to be honest. It wasn't his best showing. Uh, far too many giveaways, and he was out of position a few times. But, you know, uh, I think that, that 10 minutes of an onslaught of pressure, uh, they avoided it, and they didn't concede, and that's that's growth in my opinion. MJ? I just – I agree that Tapia's didn't have his best, but I want to add that what helped the Minnesota United defense is Boxel had his back a lot, mm-hmm. and Boxel had Dane St. Clair's back a couple times. Dane St. Clair made three great saves in a matter of, I don't know, 10 minutes or less, actually less, probably like six minutes in the second half where we had horrible turnovers. Every time we got a goal kick and we go forward, horrible turnover. And Dane St. Clair was there. So Toppies didn't have his good game. Boxel said, hey, I'll pick you up. That's just how it's going to be. I was really happy in the overall defensive shape and the overall defensive intensity, including Amaria tracking back, Bongi tracking back, look good. No, and I'll agree. I think Bongi, Bongi uh, had, had maybe his best, best, um, more, more, most well-rounded performance of the season tonight. That's the word I'm going to use. Obviously, he's scored twice already this season. You know, those are very good performances. But in terms of a well-rounded performance, he was very influential in both the attack and the defense tonight. Helped, helped clean, keep the clean sheet. Um you should be really proud of that performance. It was, it was, you know, it was a lot of running. It was cold. It was wet. Uh, MJ, I know you. I know you felt it. You were in the stands, and you know, here I am in the warm press box. You know, MJ, might I add, it was nacho bar here tonight. So, you know, I had nachos, and there was a charcuterie board and a fresh fruit tray. They had Starburst for us too. I mean, yeah. I'm not hungry <laughs> because I got to have the guest chef from El Sazon, uh, Christopher Leon. Um, he cooked up some great uh, seared uh, deep fried taco type stuff that okay. was some amazing salsa verde and uh, cilantro and red onion. So, like, I had, a good, I had a good meal from the guest chef at Allianz Field tonight. No complaints. Also, you're in Minnesota. Learn to dress like a Minnesotan. We are, <laughs> we are in a rough spring yes. transition. Times <laughs> are always tough in Minnesota. What do you wear? How much layers you layer up? Bring that windbreaker. If you think you need rain gear, bring the rain gear. But, you know, I was under a roof in an outdoor stadium having a blast. Yeah. No, and the, the atmosphere at Allianz Field was electric tonight. You know, and obviously we'd like to hear Wonderwall saying, everybody media alike, you know, despite, you know, my neutral look at everything, I would love to hear these fans sing Wonderwall. Uh, and eventually it will come. But, you know, uh, everything comes with time. But uh, I just want to make a quick note here. We've got nine live viewers watching the show at the moment. If you are watching... Like, subscribe, and share. Do it right now. I'm going to give you like five seconds before I say another word. All right, that was close to five. I don't know if it was, but like, subscribe, and share. And if you want to send a question, feel free to send it in the chat here. If you are watching on Facebook or YouTube, if you are on Twitter, unfortunately, you will not be able to send a question in. However, our Twitter handles are listed on the screen, uh, and you can send a question in on Twitter, and I will read it uh, for us here uh, on the show. You know, and uh, speaking of questions, Eric Grady has been in the chat. He said a few of them. Uh, he's talking about how Bongi gets into good spots, but has struggled with shooting. Uh, and then adds that Robin Lud and Hassani Dotson uh, are both very good shooters. We know that Hassani Dotson only scores bangers. We're still waiting on that on and that banger to show up. And and uh, I want to jump on this. So Eric asks, 
you want to see uh, Luis Amaria start again. And I say yes, actually, because uh, the reason, the only reason I say that, Eric, is because uh, I'm talking about the four-four-two formation. I'm not talking about the four-two-three-one where he's isolated. Um, when he is an isolated forward, he struggles because I, I think I truly do think that Luis Amaria is. I'm going to use the European example because a lot of people might understand it more. He is a like a Mario Mandzukic-like striker. He is someone who is big, tall, a little slower but is able to hold the ball up very, very well and is able to backtrack when needed while providing support for his, you know, his fellow attackers. And, you know, and that also means that Bongi and Robin need to step up a little more and, you know, find, uh, find those paths once he holds up the ball. Um, but this is, you know, this is also one of those situations where uh, having, you know, a proper 10 would help him a lot at the striker. And I think he is receiving a lot of, uh, a lot of hate for his missed chances when in all reality, you know, the supporting cast around him isn't doing an awful lot to bring the best out of him. Um, if you're in the 4-4-2, you have a secondary striker alongside Luis who plays directly off of him, not underneath. And there's a big difference when you are on the pitch to have someone horizontal to you versus vertical, especially as a striker. You're able to play one-twos off of each other. You're able to draw defenders and open up the space directly next to you, not underneath you. Uh, and I think that's a route for success for Luis Amaria in this team. Um, but if they choose to, you know, play the four two three one next weekend, I think Mender Garcia might be the better option. You know, uh, uh, MJ, do you have any thoughts on, on Luis's performance tonight? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're getting into one of my three things here, but like, Amaria missed a couple chances. Yeah, the one that that weak side that went right to the goalkeeper. That is Pais, uh being amazing, in my opinion. I don't think that's Amaria being horrible. That that was an incredible change of direction. Uh, by their goalkeeper. Yep. I thought Amria, again, if you look at the type of striker he is, which Jacob described well, hold up, look to play off someone, he did that better than he has all year for Minnesota United. I granted, yes, he has previous goals, but those goals were all PKs. If you yep. look at how he played from the run of play today, you look at him finding Bongi through traffic, through multiple defenders, and threading needle passes, getting them to better attacking loons. He did that, receiving a pass, and which he's done before, but it's that connection piece, getting holding up and then passing it off to someone else. He hasn't been good at connecting on passes previously. Tonight, he had some really good passes, probably should have had an assist. Yes, yes, he should. But I also want to give a quick shout-out to Luis for his defensive efforts tonight, especially late in the match. Um, he played 90, all right? Uh, and, you know, we all know how difficult that is just as, in a general footballing sense to play 90 minutes. Um, he was sprint out sprinting everybody on his team in stoppage time late uh, to try and, you know, force the ball out to try and, you know, not not let Dallas feed the ball in the box. Uh, you know, an error was made in his, you know, choice because he uh, allowed a free kick. But the fact of the matter is, is you can't fault the effort from Luis. Um, and although, you know, the numbers aren't there, the goals aren't there. I don't see many trying as hard as he is right now to to put put forth an effort to put forth you know something and leave his mark on the field. Um, you know, and people might not want to hear it, but Song Bin was absolutely you know um, uh, what's the word I want to use? He had little to zero impact on the match today. Honestly, he, he he was very just kind of there in the first forty five minutes, and the Loons didn't utilize him at all. You know, that's not necessarily his fault. 
It's part of the tactical formation of the squad. It's not taking away from the fact that he's extremely talented and has ridiculous acceleration uh, from a zero to 60 standpoint, but they didn't utilize him. And, you know, he is not the kind of player where, you know, if you are bongy on the left, you're going to uh, pass to him and you're going to make your run down the left in a one, two, and he's going to find you. He's going to take that ball and dribble. He's not looking to make that one, two, you know, if you're, if you're Luis and you receive the ball and you're looking to, to hold up and pass it backwards too late, Song Bin's already pushing ahead of you. that's just the way he plays. And the matter of fact is that Minnesota is, they're not playing to his strengths, MJ. And I think that's a flaw. Um, It's something that'll come forth though, because we've seen very little of him so far. This is less than one month in. So take these criticisms lighthearted folks uh, and just, you know, know that there's, there's, there's room to grow and the signs are there. I also saw Sangbin defensively fall into young South Korean national team habits, which is to press. When you have a bunch of young teammates that have all been playing together on a young Korean national team, and you have all of them on the same page tactically, and they know that how to press. And he started pressing, and he didn't have his loons there pressing with you. And when you're one person pressing, and the goalkeeper and two defenders and one central midfielder are all passing around you, and only one or two of those Dallas people are covered or are also being pressed by loons, it's frustrating. Yep. And I don't know seeing that if that's Sangbin not on the page of how Heath wants to press or Sangbin was doing what Heath wanted and the rest of the loons were not stepping up and taking those passing opportunities away. But it was super frustrating for me to see because you could tell that he wanted to go and play with pace and, and press in a certain way and the other loons did not. Sure. No, a disconnect there. That's super fair. Uh, I've got a question here from Connor S in the chat that I want to talk about because it is something that I did ask Adrian Heath post game uh, in the press conference for Apple TV, and it was, "Do you all think that there should have been a dogzo call on Dallas near the end?" Uh, and what he's referring to is there was an instance where Mender Garcia was freed running into the box, and there appeared to be a shirt pull by Ibiaga on the back of uh, Mender, and he wasn't able to. Uh, get get a touch on the ball before Pez collected the, uh, in the box. Um, and I've seen a few different angles. Uh, the Loons posted a, a very good one on their social media, but I also saw the replays on the board at Allianz Field, and then I saw uh, on a stream on my computer from Apple TV as well. Um, and Adrian, well, well, Adrian Heath said, let me start there. What Heath said is that uh, he needs to have a better look at it, but at first glance it appeared you know, that there may have been a tug and that uh, Alan Chapman chose not to uh, look at it, you know, and it ended there. He didn't elaborate. He didn't, you know, accuse the refs of anything or anything of the sort, you know. But at that point in the game, they shouldn't be relying on those sort of calls to have an impact. Uh, and that's that's kind of the, the way I'm going to look at it and the way I'm going to say. But what I will say, though, is, is there was a shirt pull. Um, whether or not it impacted the play, I don't know, because the ball was already fairly far ahead of where Mender was running. Obviously, a shirt pull inhibits you from accelerating or keeping the same pace that you were at. But look at where the ball is in comparison to where Mender is when the shirt pull occurs. And, and I think in, in either situation, I don't think he gets to the ball. And I think uh, Pace beats him there. Uh, MJ, did you have any uh, context or any insight on that you wanted to add? Yeah, it, it did look like there was an arm pull or a shirt pull there. And that normally is a foul. But I will say this, often late in games, refs do not like to make those sort of game-changing decisions and so they 
hold their whistle a little bit more on fouls in the box. Also, Jacob, you made a really good point. Part of the refs calculation in this, their calculus has to do with, could he have gotten to the ball first? So, and, and I did not judge that at the time and couldn't see a replay where that happened. So. Yeah. It's an interesting way to look at it because in all honesty, uh, the ball is fairly far ahead of where Mender is, and he's a very fast individual. I can't fault him for that. It's not his, you know, it's not an issue with him. It's just, you know, it maybe just didn't work out. And it wasn't meant to be, and that's kind of that. Say, I will say this: at times, it seemed like Al Chapman was swallowing in the second half. Al Chapman was swallowing the whistle when the loons were fouled, and was blowing the whistle when Dallas got fouled. That is my bias. I am a loons fan, so. I, if I go rewatch it with a more rational brain, I might not see that as, as a bias. I might think he calls it fairly both ways. Did you have any opinions? I think what I will say is that Songbin is a very, very, very lucky individual uh, to not have a VAR review against him in the first half yeah. um, for a yep. ridiculously reckless challenge. Yep. Uh, and I asked Heath I, about I it post game. I asked Heath about that post game and he, uh, he didn't seem too happy with the choice to make the challenge. But on top of that, you know, he said he needs to see he needs to see it again, and you know, and you know, maybe, maybe they were a little, maybe maybe the kid's a bit lucky on a day like today. Uh, but I got another question here. I want to hop uh, put in the put on the screen, uh, and then we're going to hit the halftime mark of our show. But Paul Forrest here here is asking uh, about the crossing situation with the team. He says nobody's been getting on the end of the crosses. Uh, DJ whipped in some good balls tonight, and they just dropped on the six yard box to nobody. Uh, Try playing Songbin at the nine and work it up the middle. In my opinion. Paul, what I will say is it's something I noticed too, is that DJ's balls, um, his crosses uh, were not get when they were sent into the box, there was nobody there. But this this also might not be an issue with the attack. Um, specifically, I'm watching DJ on the right flank because he was right in front of the press box. I had a great view uh, of him driving up the right side in the first half. He didn't lift his head once when he crossed the ball. He drives to the corner and sends the ball into the box, hoping that somebody is there. And I know that you're taught one way or the other, and I know that there's, you know, the factor that, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to trust your teammates to be there. But the fact of the matter is that DJ didn't lift his head once um, when he was sending those balls into the box. And I think I think maybe he might have had time if he lifted his head to, to see where Luis was. Maybe he was running in at the top. Maybe he was near. Maybe he was back. Um, what did Bongi look like? Was he back post? Was he even close to the box? Uh, I just think slowing it down, maybe just you know, just a tad, might help in that situation. And you know, and maybe 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 it deserves a cutback. Maybe you don't cross it. Maybe you get to the end line, try and beat a defender one v one, or you cut back and feed to the top of the box and see what's available. We also do not have a lot of tall target people other than than Amaria. Boxall can be good when he gets up there, but. Because we don't have a lot of tall target people, I like that we are doing some more short corners. I know some people hate them. Everyone loves a corner that lands well in a diving header or some great play. Everyone loves to see that. You know, the English style of, of football likes crossing, making lots of crosses into the box. He's a big fan of that, especially having his fullbacks and wingers sending a lot of crosses. These are not high percentage plays. I'm not the head coach of Minnesota United. I can't change that we do a lot of, uh, you know, corners in the air and try to make uh, something out of nothing by just hope sending a ball in from long distance in the air where it's hard to handle. But 
considering the lack of tall target people we have in the box, I don't like that as a long-term tactic to try to score goals from this team. Yeah, MJ, I agree. Um, you know, and we're nearing the halfway point through our show. Uh, and I just want to give a quick shout out to one of our, to our sponsor for tonight's show, uh, a friend of Minnesota soccer, a friend of the podcast and a fantastic realtor. Uh, Pence Homes, folks, we'll jump back into the episode in one minute, but first I have to tell you all about our friends over at Pence Homes, owned by Minnesota United fan Nate Pence. Pence Homes was founded on the idea of providing customer service that exceeds expectations and making home buying and selling process as simple as possible. Nate and his team specialize in St. Paul, Minneapolis, and can help you navigate this ever-evolving market with the right tools, technology, and expertise. Pence Homes, that's Pence with a Z, knows how to help you get the most for your house and get you into the, uh, the home of your dreams if you're buying, while staying within your budget and, you know, you know, getting everything you want. Uh, contacting Nate, super simple. Just go to PenceHomes.com or email him directly. That's Nate at PenceHomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com pence homes proudly supports local minnesota soccer clubs minneapolis city and minnesota roar and minnesota united and they also support you know the lower level game and you know they continue to support us here at sort of soccer too so that's p-e-n-t-z homes.com or email nate at pencehomes.com thank you again to pence homes for sponsoring today's show uh mj back to the comment section we've got a few more people coming in paul's got another one uh he says that's in our last um, to our last question he says that's fair uh if that's the case that we said in fewer crosses i'd still like to see song bin at the nine mj we've been wanting to talk about this all show i will let you start go ahead we both have have mentioned this that in a 442 rather than play mendar and amaria up top it should be song bin and preferably i think you start mender bringing amaria off the bench but Whatever you do, Songbin should not be in the middle four. He should be one of the two. And I think you and I both agree on this. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. And I think uh, I think going to Vancouver, we can do a look ahead now here, MJ, because they're on the road in Vancouver next weekend. Um, and my favorite defender in the league, might the individual I like to watch the most out of any defender in the league, is someone they're going to be going up against, and that's Julian Gressel. Um, he is – He's more than a left back. He is he's a he's a left back. He's a midfielder. He's a center back. He's a freaking goalkeeper when he needs to be. Like he he's an all around fantastic player. And former winger. On a, yes. He, winger converted uh wing back, fullback, just brilliant footballer. Okay. And the thing about looking ahead is that if you run Sang Bin at the nine against, you know, Gressel and the left sided center back, it's gonna cause issues because he, he is he is chaos. <laughs> Let's just use that that term plainly. Song Bin is chaos because of how fast he is, because of how quick he can move, and how much he connects with the ball on the pitch. Um, and that's just not going to happen if you have him at the ten. Robin Ludd against Julian Gressel is going to be like a it's a like for like. There's no one's going to win that battle. Ne- neither side will, you know. And it's I just I really really want to see Song Bin at the nine against Vancouver. Uh, and I don't know if it'll happen, but I think it would be something that could potentially, you know, bring forth immense success in the attack. Because Lord knows uh, Minnesota United needs goals at the moment. They need someone to, you know, start scoring them consistently. Um, MJ, what are your thoughts on, you know, my little take there? No, I completely agree. Um, and Song Bin is going to be that key that could unlock Gressel. Gressel is a good defender. But he's a very attack-minded defender. So 
sending someone with f- faster pace that can run at him is a great idea. You know, maybe that means Robin Lud in the midfield next weekend, Bongi at right wing, and Franco Fragapane starts at left wing. Maybe that's the four-two-three-one they go with because Bongi could also cause that sort of chaos. Um, but uh, you know, we're, we're talking about this look ahead, folks. Let's talk about what happened in MLS this weekend too. Uh, it was not an orthodox weekend of MLS. No. Um, however, MJ, something both you and I also have been asking relentlessly for was a midday Saturday MLS game matinee on Apple TV. They finally gave it to us. Uh, and boy, did it live up to the hype. Nashville SC defeated Atlanta United 3-1. Um, Atlanta was without their star striker, Giorgio Giacomakis. I butchered the heck out of that, but I tried, folks. Uh, their Greek striker, Tiago Almada, did play despite being questionable. Uh, and Nashville's not a high-scoring team, but Hani Mukhtar took center stage, and he was phenomenal. Uh, 3-1 there. Uh, then there's a, sh- a shocker in the evening at the 6.30 slate. Inter-Miami knocked out, knocked off Columbus Crew 2-1. Uh, and then we saw, you know, this is something I really, really enjoy seeing at the moment, is the success of Wayne Rooney and D.C. United. Um, 3-0 over Charlotte FC. Um, shout out to Wayne Rooney. He's doing phenomenal work at DC. Christian Benteke is, he, I didn't expect him to have the impact he's having, having with this team. You know, oh. I looked at it and I thought, you know, is this just going to be, you know, someone who thinks they can come, you know, just relax. Like Gonzalo Higuain did it first. Uh, and MLS and no, Christian Benteke has taken the league by storm. has been monumental. He's been immense. And then my favorite game, <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, my favorite game from Saturday slate was New England and Cincinnati drawing at 1-1. Yes, that's a bleak score. Two of the most fascinating teams in Major League Soccer at the moment. Um, <laughs> Not always my, for the right reasons. My God. I, that, that New England defense of Brandon By, Dewan Jones, Henry Kessler, that's stuff of dreams in Major League Soccer, man. That is a beautiful defense. And then Cincinnati is, is relentless. Mascara has been fantastic for them. Uh, Sergio Santos, uh, uh, Lucho Acosta, I mean – uh, Brennan Vasquez, of course, and then they just, you know, they've got the forthcoming uh, selling of Brenner to Udinese in Italy for $10 million. Uh, Nick Hagelin's been great, but shout out to Matt Miazga, too. The resurgence has been fantastic, and, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna touch on that real quick. With Tim Ream breaking his arm this morning for Fulham in the English Premier League, there is an opening uh, as it's a starting center back for the U.S. men's national team as we head into Nations League and Gold Cup this summer. There is a great chance we see someone like Matt Miazga uh, jump into that role. And, you know, his performances at FC Cincinnati are going to be one of the reasons we are going to see him in contention for that spot. Uh, but rounding out Saturday was Orlando 2-0 over the Galaxy, Toronto 1-0 over NYCFC, uh, Austin and San Jose 2-2 draw, Chicago and the New York Red Bulls uh, 1-1 draw, uh, and then a surpriser. I don't even know if you want to call it a surprise or a shock, but Montreal Impact 2, Sporting Kansas City 0. Um, I feel for my friends at Sporting Kansas City at the moment. They are going through a very, very tough time. Um but I will say if there's any coach in this league who I would say can get you out of that rut, it is Peter Vermes. Uh, it might just take a while. And, you know, another way to look at it is there is still a lot to play for this this year. Um, there's the League's Cup and there's also the U.S. Open Cup. You can qualify for CCL by not being good in the league anymore. Go all out in tournaments, SKC. That's the, that, that might be the way you have to look at the season now. Go all out in tournament play. Uh, and then Portland defeated St. Louis City 2-1 to on their home ground. Well, we rounded out the evening with two West Coast uh, matches and in 0-0. And RSL versus Seattle, and then Vancouver versus Colorado. Um, MJ, any 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 uh, results kind of, uh, you know, stick out to you before we jump uh, back into Minnesota? Really nice bounce back by Portland after losing last weekend. And 
going to a tough place to play in St. Louis and being another team like the Loons that, that beats St. Louis in St. Louis, that's impressive. I think for me that 2-0 away win by Montreal coming to Kansas City is not surprising just because of how awful Kansas City have been this season. Um, and <laughs> just, just puts it straight out there. <laughs> no, they just have been horrible. And But I, Jacob, I also agree with you that Peter Vermees is a tough coach and is a smart coach. And he does have that ability to turn the season around. We have seen it done before when Kansas City starts slow. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think, uh, you know, six draws in MLS this weekend, not ideal, but uh, there, there's some fun ahead. And I think teams are starting to finally get in their groove and some of those late signings that came over with the deadline day are going to, uh, excuse me, they're going to start being integrated into their teams. And we're going to see a lot more fun over the next few weeks. Um, so at the beginning of the show, uh, MJ and I each came up with three things to talk about tonight. We've kind of touched them all, but um, one of the things we didn't get a chance to talk about was uh, MJ's third take, and it was ending the the three loss streak and how important that was for Minnesota United, uh, and how you know maybe this starts kind of a bounce back for them. Uh, looking ahead to Vancouver, you know, talking tonight, what is gonna, what did you see that maybe is the the positive takeaway to start that bounce back, MJ? I saw what I have been crying for the past I don't know how many years of watching this team. Because you have to remember, I started watching this team in 2011, technically, 2010. So yeah. is when someone is dribbling with the ball, to have someone cut towards them for a short pass so that the ball dribbler does not have to do all the work to create the lane, that there is someone else that is making a short lane pass. And I saw a lot more of that tonight. Um, I saw a lot more of good cuts towards the ball carrier to create those short passes and those get those chances in around the penalty area for better quality shots. Now, they went wide, they got blocked, they hit the goalkeeper, you know, they went high. We didn't score any of them. But the positive thing is I liked our attack interplay despite not the results. And if you guys don't know one of the key things between – the Eastern mind and the Western mind or the Asian mind and the North American, Northern European mind is that you look at the method, not the results. If you look at the method of what they were doing, yeah, you can be critical. I've been critical of the crosses, too many crosses. You can be critical of certain players, but the method of how they're trying to attack is evolving. It goes back to that Will Trap quote that you said earlier about more people carrying the load. And that excites me. That's a positive thing. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Uh, MJ, the midnight hour is rolling upon us. It's 11.54 p.m. Central. Uh, we're 40 minutes into the show. Uh, we're going to wrap it up in probably five, six minutes, folks. Um, we're the 39th minute of the show at the moment. Thank you so much for tuning in so far. Uh, we still have had – we've had a constant – you know, view, number of viewership tonight, and that's been phenomenal. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sending your questions. Uh, if you have any more questions you would like to send in tonight, fire them away now, and we can touch on them uh, before we kind of start our, our little bit of a wrap up here. Um, you know, what uh, I, you know, I, I think I look at tonight, and 
I've, I've spoken on a lot of the positives. I've spoken on how it can be looked at, you know, as a stepping stone. And MJ touched on that too. Uh, I think for Minnesota United, you know, you look at tonight and you don't look at it as two points lost. I think you look at it as improvement from uh, from last week and it improvement from the Open Cup performance, MJ. Um, we don't really need to talk about the Open Cup performance because that nobody wants to talk about that. Um, it was their own <laughs> five. It was their own five minutes of madness and. You yeah, know. you had a great write-up on it on Soto Soccer. If you haven't read that, yeah, re- read that recap by Jacob Snyder. Go read that. But I'm <laughs> psyched that we won, right? Because it's yeah. a reversal of the narrative from last year. Yep. You know, and it's just you know they've got a really tough draw now with the Philadelphia Union in the next round. Uh, we know the Union are still competing in Concacaf Champions League. Uh, catch that this week against LAFC in the semifinals. I believe they play Tuesday night. And then we have uh, Tigres versus uh, uh, Club León, former club de, of Miguel Ibarra, Minnesota United legend. Um, uh, in the other semifinal, they're both second legs. Uh, I believe it's FS1 or FS2, and then the one on Tuesday, um, one on Wednesday, both late kickoffs. So, you know, keep your eye on those. Uh, fun matchups this week, um, you know. And uh, I just want to give a quick shout-out while we're talking, you know, not necessarily MLS, but uh, our, uh, our founder, Jeremy Rushing, is a big Everton fan, all right? Big Everton fan. Adrian Heath, big Everton fan, uh, Minnesota United uh, PR director and, you know, all around pretty cool guy, Eric Durkee, big Everton guy. Tomorrow, Everton versus Leicester City in the English Premier League. And my goodness, do we have a game in store for us. Um, the battle of the bottom dwellers. Yes, battle of, the bo- battle of the bottom dwellers. And, you know, these folks, you know, whoever wins that game, odds are they're safe from relegation. You know, that's not certain. I'm not going to say it's certain. But if you look at, you know, the remaining schedule for each team, uh, if you look at, you know, recent results, win and you're in. I'm going to say it. Win and you're in the Premier League next season. Uh, Good luck to Everton. If you're a Leicester City fan, uh, I'm sorry. I don't want to see you all relegated, but I have friends that are Everton fans, and I don't personally know anybody offhand who's a Leicester fan. So uh, I'm just going to give a quick shout-out to Everton. Good luck. Uh, and obviously, uh, I'm a depressed Chelsea fan. I don't want to talk about what's in store on Tuesday <laughs> when we uh, face Arsenal. So we're going to skip right over that. Uh, but we can jump back to game. The, yeah. Here's what you need to know is join me and the other Minnesota Toffees at Ladonia tomorrow. If you can take a late lunch, if you can get off work early, come come to Ladonia. Maybe you have the day off. MJ, are you an Everton fan too? Yeah. Uh, how did I not know that? You didn't look at my profile pic on, on Twitter. That's fine. <laughs> Are you wearing an Everton kit in your profile picture? I, I'm wearing an Everton scarf, and I'm holding Everton. up the, the, Ever, the Everton crest on the scarf. Okay, okay. But, well, but I will say I this. I'm also holding up a LaDonia beer, and the beer is kind of distracting from the scarf. So well, Obviously, yeah. everybody looks at beer before everything Wait, else. No, no. <laughs> All right, folks, you heard it from MJ. LaDonia, tomorrow, Everton versus Leicester. Join him. Why not? Come on it's gonna out. Be, it's going to be a, you know, insert ex, expletive, amazing game. Right. <laughs> uh, and you know. I will Listen, Jacob, you can complain about Chelsea all you want, but they have been safe from relegation for many seasons. And I just want to say this. This is not a the grass is always greener on the other side thing. But if you have never experienced a relegation battle or cheering for a team that's in relegation – it is way more interesting when you get to this part of the season at the stuff going on at the bottom table 
than the teams fighting for Champions League and Europa spots. Well, good thing for Chelsea. You know, we don't have anything to look forward to next <laughs> season in terms of European competition. Uh, we fell to 12th today, MJ. Crystal Palace and Bournemouth are ahead of us. Uh, but, you know, we don't need to talk a lot of EPL on here because this is an MLS <laughs> Minnesota United-centric podcast. However, if you're in the chat here still, um, thank you so much. Get those final questions in if you have them. Uh, we can talk, you know, if you want to talk, go ahead. If you want to talk MLS, go ahead. If you want to talk, uh, you know, Minnesota United tonight or what looks ahead, uh, we can. You know, but I'm just going to be giving us a, a little look ahead now. So, obviously uh, – Next weekend's going to be another late one. I apologize. I'm not in charge of the schedules, folks. 9.30 p.m. Central kick. Uh, not ideal. Uh, late night for media again. Late night for fans. Uh, it'll be a fun hey, one, though, like we've said. Minnesota sports fans that have to deal with games away on the West Coast, this is nothing new, right? And, again, I, Jacob, I'm a night owl. I know you're more of a morning bird. So, like, I feel bad for you because this is not necessarily meshing with your chronotype. But, listen, this is a way game that Minnesota United can win. And yeah. to be honest, the Loons have looked better on the road this season. So, I look at that this as an opportunity to grab three points away from home in Vancouver. And even though it's a late kickoff, you shouldn't miss it. No, nobody should miss it. And, you know, for those of us who are sickos, I'll be watching every single MLS game next Saturday, uh, along with CCL this week and Premier League this week um, and, like, everything else in between. I don't know if there's, like, Libertadores or anything, but, you know, that I'm a sicko, so I'll be watching it all. Uh, but the Loons return to Allianz Field on short rest following that uh, match against the, the Whitecaps to take on the Philadelphia Union dupe Tuesday, May 9th uh, in the U.S. Open Cup fourth round. Um, I don't know how to look at that one because I think it all depends on how Philly does in CCL this week. Because if they do well in CCL this week, odds are they are going to um, play a very rotated field on the weekend, and you'll see starters return in the Open Cup against the Loons. However, if they if they win Tuesday night, which you might see is them rotate the kids then again in the Open Cup and try and get more minutes than not out of their guys this coming weekend. Uh, in week nine, week nine or 10, I, I don't know. It's late. I'm tired. It's like 12.04 a.m. or something. But, you know, very interesting times. You know, watch the Union CCL match this week, and then, you know, then you can have input on how their, their Open Cup lineup will work. Because Jim Curtin has expressed versatility in this lineup so far this season due to CCL, but their kids are really talented. Leon Flack, Quinn Sullivan, uh, very, you know, just all around great kids. So, um, you know, it'll be a fun one to watch. And then, uh, following the Union game, it's Minnesota United uh, uh, down I-35W to take on Sporting Kansas City at Sporting Kansas City. Um, some good news for those of you who subscribe to Soda Soccer Patreon, those of you who are tuning into the show, a little sneak peek now. Uh, it looks like I will be on site in SKC for that game for my second road trip of the year. My second road trip of the year. Um, it'll be a fun one. We'll, none of this is possible without you. Um, I'm you know, incredibly grateful for the opportunity. Uh, to be able to continually do this, and it doesn't come without viewers, without readers, without people like you who constantly tune in to support uh, my work, the sort of soccer team's work, MJ's work, you know, everybody involved. So thank you again. Um, you know, we're going to wrap up shortly here. Uh, MJ, I got a quick question from uh, any big blue that I want to stick in here. I'm going to give you the I'm going to give you the reins on this one. <laughs> 
Say the loon stick with a four, two, three, one. Songbit at the nine. Is Frog at the ten or is it Robin Lib? Gosh. Uh at this point, I would prefer just seeing if Fraga could start at a ten. He he usually comes in and subs in the ten position or the left wing position. Um, at this point, I personally would prefer to see Fraga to see if he could handle that with a song bin at the nine and see what, what that chemistry looks like. But I will say this: Fraga and Amaria seem to be on the same page more than not, and um, so. Uh, I'll say having two set piece takers on the field will be helpful too. Yeah, no. Uh, I was actually really sad when they chose to pull Sang Bin off tonight just because it was right when a corner kick was happening. And I thought we could have really used his dead ball skills in that situation. Yeah, but, and our, our final question of the night here is from Paul Forrester. Paul's been in here all show. Quick shout out to Paul. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks for all the content, Paul. Love the questions. Um, I know. Everybody's seen this. It's been all over my timeline. I've had people DM me this question, MJ, uh, and I don't mind talking about it, but here's my thing. Um, and this is this is not me like saying a mark against Manuel Veth, transfer market reporter who did report this or anything like that. But um, he listed Byron Leverkusen as one of the teams uh, scouting AZ Jackson. Uh, AZ is a very talented footballer. We all know it. We saw it with MLS Knicks Pro. He started the Open Cup and scored, guys. He, he hasn't broken into St. Louis City's starting lineup yet. This is, uh, in my opinion, an extreme exaggeration, um, and it's likely agent talk. You know, it's saying, hey, I've got this really talented kid. I know that uh, St. Louis City has connections to Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga, and those connections probably expand elsewhere in the Bundesliga. You know, it's not a mark against the report. It's not a mark against AZ. It's me saying that Xabi Alonso is the head coach of Bayern Leverkusen. It's me saying that... Uh, Florian Wurz is going to sell for $90 million this summer, uh, the attacking midfielder they currently have, uh, and they're going to replace him with someone who is not like $300,000 U.S. dollars. Um, you know, it, AZ could definitely become a European footballer one day. He's got the talent. He's a very, very good kid. It just it, – it makes zero sense. Um, and even uh, Paderborn was also listed there. You know, like I said, he, he is – he needs to break in – to be an MLS starter before any sort of talk like that could come about and be validated. Um, AZ is very good. AZ is, has the potential to do that, but as things stand, it just, I don't see it like as, as, a, as anything to look at and, or anything to think about for three years. Like it's, that's that far out. That's, that's where I see it. Uh, MJ, uh, did you think Minnesota let him go too soon? Or are you content with the move? I do think we let him go too soon, but I also don't know all the variables. And that is to say that it looked like he didn't want to stay here. And normally a kid that young doesn't get to just choose when to leave or where he goes, but it is tough coaching someone that is super unhappy and is complaining all the time, or if he thinks he's better than the club or it's not a good fit. I don't know if that was the case. Maybe the coaching staff, wasn't giving him the opportunities that he wanted. Again, I don't know what all the variables, but what I will what I will say is, um, I'm no insider. We all know this. I'm I'm a reporter, and you know I'm working my way up in the world, and I've got scoops here and there, and you know, but I, I I'm not the guy go to guy. Um, what I will say is, you are onto something, MJ. 
and there's yeah. a lot of underlying reasons for every move. Um, and the Loons, you know, got their own young player in return. Uh, they've got Cam Dunbar, who has, you know, started to show very promising things. And, you know, I think it's a good move for both players and a good move for both clubs. Uh, and I think, um, you know, it's only time will tell with moves like that. But yeah. uh, we're at the 52-minute mark here, MJ. What'd you say? We're at the 52-minute mark here, MJ. And yeah, is yeah, we're going strong. At 7 a.m. Uh, one of the reasons why we're going strong is all of you listeners yeah. and viewers out there sending us questions and providing us with more content and letting us know what you mm -hmm. want to talk about. You know, and you know, uh, I think we're going to wrap up here, MJ, but I do want to end it on one thing. Uh, MJ, or no, not a hypothetical, but an actual question for you. What, 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 what do you call this that I'm wearing right now that I'm pointing at? What is this called? Bow tie. What do you think they call in England? I actually don't know, and I know a lot of Britishisms. <laughs> so I walked in tonight's press conference, and I, I sat down. Um, so you guys can't tell right now, but I'm wearing a black quarter zip with a white shirt and a pink bow tie, and then I've got pink high tops on, uh, pink basketball shoes. I always wear fun shoes with my outfits. That's a little bit of mine. Um, Adrian looks at me. He goes, nice dicky tie, Jacob. And I'm like, what? Apparently bow ties in England are called dicky ties. Uh, and, and I'm going to add that to our list of Heathisms. Uh, and, uh, you know, that might, it's competing for my favorite Heathism of the year, uh, along with coupon buster, meaning, uh, pull the underdog in a match, like, a, like winning when you're not expected to, that's called being a coupon buster. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to add that to the list of Heathisms folks. Uh, and we're going to keep that list going throughout the year. And I hope by the year's end, I'll be able to publish something fun with that. Uh, you know, um, he comes up with a lot of good ones. He's a good guy. He's funny. Uh, and he, uh, he has a lot of fun with media. And, you know, he, he, he treats us really well and everything. So uh, fun time, you know, fun little press conference, little, little, little fun part for me. You know, there's always things you can take away. You're like, you know, that was that was a good part. So uh, uh, bow ties in England are dicky ties. Who knew? And, you know, a dicky is the ruffle part of shirt or that not quite a shirt that you hide underneath a sports coat that just has ruffles on it. Um, so I guess you often see a bow tie with a ruffle shirt and a, a dicky. So <laughs> maybe that's why it's called a dicky tie. That's yeah. just, I am not a fashion expert, but Tw uh, 12, 10 AM here in St. Paul coming to you live from Allianz field. This is the conversation we end with. What a podcast episode, MJ. Um, yeah. Thank you, you know, for joining post loons, everyone. Yeah. Thank you for joining. We're going to wrap up here, folks. Uh, I'm pretty exhausted. I had a lot of coffee tonight. I had a lot of coffee during the day. Um, I'm probably not going to get home till 1, 1.30 because I still got to wrap up a few things here. Um, hopefully they don't kick me out of the press box, but I see a few people are still here, including Jeremy, uh, our founder and editor. Uh, thank you to everyone who has tuned in tonight and post loons. Thank you to everyone who has sent in questions. Thank you to everybody who played a part in tonight's episode. Uh, like I said, like I say continually, as I, as I host these shows, it doesn't happen without you. So does soccer doesn't happen without you. Our Patreon subscribers, our amazing sponsors, you know, everybody who impacts our shows, our, 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 our articles, our sites, uh, our social media, everything. You guys are, are you know, the reason we exist and we're going to continue to elevate and, you know, bring you the best quality of uh, soccer coverage here in Minnesota with both the men's, women's uh, games, top division, lower division, semi-pro you know, we're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep doing our thing. And, you know, it doesn't happen without you. So thanks again. Um, MJ, thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you, Jacob. Minnesota United, zero. 
FC Dallas, zero. The Loons have pulled the quote-unquote double on Dallas so far this season with a road win and a draw at home at Allianz Field. Minnesota United is still winless at Allianz Field through four games so far this campaign. Wonderwall has not been played on their home ground. They'll look to change that around in a few weeks, but it's a road match against the Vancouver Whitecaps. They return home shortly after, three days, for a U.S. Open Cup draw against the Philadelphia Union, and then... It's the I-35W Derby against Sporting Kansas City. Uh, Fun few weeks ahead. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'm Jacob Schneider, uh, my colleague MJ. Thank you so much. Uh, Have a good night, everybody.